Who likes driving on 204? You like sickos, sickos. Uh, everybody around those people lay hands on them. We're going to, no. Um, so, like, I hate Polaris, and 204 is like our little baby version of, like, how terrible it actually could be someday. So just, like, if anybody thinks about moving to Pickerington, just tell them no. Like, there's no more room. Uh, because I don't, I don't want Polaris here. Like, that's, that's not good. But if I'm on 204, no, 256. I like 204. Can we get a pastor that just isn't terrible? For those of you that are new here, everything here is awesome except me. So just stick around. I'll retire in 30 years, and then you got to, and it'll be great. Uh, anyways, 256, yes. Two, now the illustration's ruined. Why is it? That even if I'm at the first person at one light, I cannot make it through the next light. And I want the lights to cooperate with me. And they do not cooperate with me. Or I'm driving down Diley Road to get to 33, and one person will pull up to the new side light over there by that new condominium uh, thing, and it will trigger the light to go their way. I was already doing 50, well, something miles an hour. And... Uh, <laughs> I really don't appreciate having to stop one more time. I just wish the lights would cooperate all the way. Okay, so I have, uh, we put in a pool in the backyard, and then it decided to rain all of June, right? So Benjamin invited all of his lacrosse team members over for a pool party, and uh, like we still had mud everywhere, and it was terrible, and, and anyways, but we're like, we're going to finally like have people over, even though the water's 75 degrees, and we'll turn the kids into kidsicles, and, 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 and we're going to have this amazing time. And then this black wave of death showed up like a half hour before the party was supposed to start, and just blew my backyard up, and we had to like cancel the party, right? Okay, and then who... What other person hears this in their house? Could, why am I the only person who cleans? Why doesn't anybody help me? I'm, I'm repeating the things that I hear on an on a hourly basis from my wife. Why is everybody working against me, right? We are talking about cooperation. Why won't the person merging, coming off of the ramp, cooperate with me? Why won't this person, why won't my children cooperate with me? Why won't people cooperate with me? We're in a series called Gibberish, and it's when God doesn't make sense. And so uh, the first week we talked about John the Baptist and him being stuck in jail and feeling left. And, and knowing that he did his job, and he actually sends his, his disciples out to say, like, Jesus, are you, you're, you're really doing the stuff, right? And, and we talked about him being Jesus' first cousin, and there still wasn't a family deal. Like, like, he still got left in jail to the point of execution, right? And then, so we, we talked about when God seems inattentive. And then last week, we talked about when God seems late. And we talked about uh, Jesus's, one of Jesus' closest friends. And yes, I have trouble saying Jesus's. Deal with it. These were his close friends. He stayed at their bread and breakfast every time he visited Jerusalem. 
He hung out with them. He had conversations with them. And they sent for Jesus when Lazarus was sick with full expectation that as soon as Jesus heard about his close friend, they made sure to add that into the memo to Jesus, your close friend is sick. Surely he would come running. And he doesn't. Well, that's gibberish. God, you're late. This, this terrible thing is going to happen. And then they had to deal with the terrible thing happened. And Jesus shows up and it says that Mary came out and like, love you, but you should have been here. And if you would have been here. And it said, it said well, that Mary stayed home and Martha came out and said that. I got all my stories back up, back, messed up today. My mind's on camp and dealing with eight-year-olds for three days. Pray for me. Today, when God seems uncooperative, and make no mistake, there's a big difference between why can't I get just three lights in a row versus why isn't cancer leaving my body? Why am I still out of work? Why am I still dealing with depression? Why is my kid still crazy? Why, 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 why? And so I'll get a little frustrated over cooperation in traffic or cooperation at home with, with kids just not cleaning their rooms or, or whatever else is going on. But when I really get frustrated is when it just seems like God is not cooperating with what I need Him to do. And then on top of it all, even more confusing is that it seems like He does it other times. Right? And it's like, God, I would trade all of the green lights in the world for one more healing, right? And so we get, we get caught up in this. And, 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 and so raise your hand if you've ever felt like God is not cooperating with you. This is another one of those, if you keep your hands down, you're a liar. Okay, good. Nobody needs a lesson about lying today. Good. Now, this is similar to the last two weeks. So, inattentive and late are very similar, but we're looking at this big issue from different directions every time. Because inattentive is when you just think, like, I haven't heard, like, I feel disconnected from God. Like, I, I, don't, I don't even, I, I feel dry, like I'm in a dry place, and, and, and I, I feel like I haven't heard from Him in a while or something like that. And then late, like last week, it's like you're just wanting, you just feel like you're out of sequence with Him. But then uncooperative is like, this isn't even, like, this doesn't even make sense. Hence the title, When God Doesn't Make Sense. And, and this is gibberish to us. Why isn't God cooperating? I've got a friend in this church. You, a lot of you guys are friends with him too. His name's Richard. And, um, and we were talking about that this week. You know, he went in for, uh, went in for a little surgery uh, like six months ago. And just everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. And he still feels weak. And he's still like, God, what's did you forget about me? You're not like, I, I just, I'm participating. I'm doing my part, but why aren't you cooperating with me? And I'm going to let him share his story, but he's also started to just tear up and just share about the love that he's felt from this church and then also the things that God is showing him with all of this extra time with the Lord. Wow. 
What a grown-up way of looking at things. And he's been frustrated too. But nothing's happening. Why does God seem so uncooperative? And what are we supposed to do when He seems that way? And this is, this is going to seem like a cliche answer, but the answer is prayer. Because just when you think that He is not a part of what's going on is the time where you got to press in the most. And so we're going to talk about a few things about prayer today. True prayer, this is our first point today. True prayer is not about getting our way, but it's about surrendering our will. So we're trading the desire for our way for desiring His will. And so uh, think about uh, think about the story of Jesus being in the garden before He was to be crucified. And He prays to His Father, if anybody should have special privilege, hello, if there's any way possible, would you take this cup from me? I do not want to go through this next 24 hours. And so we're not supposed to be sadists. We're not supposed to invite pain into our life. We're not supposed to be looking for hurt. I don't. I tend to run away from it at all costs. And Jesus was saying, I'm not, I, I would prefer to not experience the pain. If there's any other way, would you take this cup from me? But then he finishes with the most wonderful phrase that mature Christians, when the light comes on, is when we start to pray. Your will be done. And even when He teaches us how to pray, it's Your will be done on, in, on earth as it is in heaven. And so it's one thing to bring your need, your concern to the Lord, but when you finish that with that other expression, Your will be done. I can pray that with confidence in every situation. And I've been in the, the darkest of, of, of hospital rooms and, and I, can, I can pray over that person and say, Lord, I'm asking You for this healing, but God, we are trusting in Your will to be done. And, and it's still not an easy thing to be around. And those of you that have been there, you, you know what I'm talking about. And, and yet, that is our confidence in the Lord, and, and that's what we're supposed to look to. And so, true prayer isn't about getting our way, but surrendering our will. So today, we're going to talk about the Apostle Paul. If anyone deserved an answered prayer, it's our buddy Paul. Talked about Lazarus being a friend of Jesus. Talked about John the Baptist preparing the way and, and being Jesus' first cousin. Like we got some kind of inner circle type people here. Well, Paul comes after uh, Jesus' time of teaching and physically walking on the earth, but he has this amazing story of coming to the Lord, right? He's... he's Hating Christians, his whole purpose in life is to crush out this new sect of, of, of uh, the Jewish people. They just called it the way. Basically, their concern was, oh my gosh, we've got all these good Jewish people jumping ship into this little sect of, of calling Jesus, this Jesus guy, the Messiah. And, and he's like, this is bad. This is bad for our people. And, and with that motivation of, of, of pushing out bad teaching, he goes after Everyone doing it and saying that they believe. Like, have you been baptized? Well, then guess what? You're going to jail. Congratulations. And, and he gets permission from the high priest to go on this war path from town to town to round up people that have confessed faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He goes against Christ. 
and he's cruising down the road and he has this encounter with heaven. He becomes temporarily blind for a few days and God gets a hold of Paul. And after that, you have, oh, let's see, he writes half the New Testament. He's imprisoned multiple times. He's shipwrecked. He's whipped five times. He gets bitten by a snake. They throw that in there for fun, right? Beaten with rods? I mean, my, I would do that to my sister, but like, like, I think this is like a different level. Like, this is like, <laughs> poor Emily. Yeah, actually, she would probably hit me more than I hit her, but that's beside the point. Beaten with rods, stoned, left for dead. But what did he deserve? He started churches from coast to coast all around that region, traveled by ship over 20 years to different places to start church, raise up leaders, turn them loose. And yet he makes this statement here in 2 Corinthians 12.7. He said, Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from being proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from being proud. So that phrase, thorn in my side, comes from this story. And, and Paul uses it to describe it. And, and we've got this word here, thorn, and so we're not talking about just like you're, you know, you're gardening and, and roses are pretty, but my gosh, they'll, they'll get you, right? And then the certain weeds that like have these daggers of death on the outside of them and like you just think, okay, I can grab just one without my gloves on, dummy. No, don't do that. We're not talking about like a thorn or like a splinter. The word used here actually implies like a stake run through. Does that help? Like we're not talking about a, an, an, an irritation. We're talking about a great deal of chronic pain. Now, what we don't know is what he's talking about. He makes this reference to this pain in his life. And the guesses go from arthritis to a sin that he struggled with to uh, being nearly blind to... Uh, there's all these different theories, and, and, and there's, nothing, there's no substance to any of them, is basically what I'm telling you. But so the theories run wild on this. But don't we all have thorns at times in our life? They may be sitting next to you. I don't know. Uh, no. Cancer. Arthritis. Depression. Glad you came to church today. Woo! Yeah. But seriously, these things are chronic, painful things. Right? Right? And, and Paul is saying that he has something like that in his life. The people that I know that are addicted don't want to be addicted. Right? And so there's this battle. So that's the other, one of the other theories is that Paul had an addiction. Who knows? We don't know. But these things stay a part of, the li of, of our lives sometimes or people we care about, which can be often just as difficult or sometimes even more painful. And, and we walk through them. 
I know people that just need like reliable transportation. Like, I know some people that just this one little move in their life and a significant shift would happen, right? And, and sometimes we can do things about this. It, it's just you, you have somebody that stays stuck or, or something that's needed for this long period of time. And so the second point is, let's go back to our first one. We need to move from looking for our way to his will. And that is so difficult. Uh, number two is prayer reminds us that we're not in control and keeps us close to the one who is. And the temptation when we're not seeing the answer is to pull away from God. Is that just me? No, the, the temptation there is to pull away because we feel like He is not engaging with us, at least to our expectations, and that's the recipe for offense, right? Unmet expectation. And so right there, we have an unmet expectation from God. And so uh, we do this with people. We tend to pull away when somebody is not meeting our expectations, and we do the same thing from God. And so our way through these times is actually to press in closer because what you're trading then is you're actually trading and and growing trust Um, because any time think about this think about every relationship that's been strained that you've had what's the way out it's for one person hopefully both people to take a step of trust and to push back in towards the other person do you want to have a chance to save your marriage keep taking steps closer to the person who is hurting you. Right? I'm not talking about staying in like an abusive... No, 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 don't mishear me. But so often, the walls come up and they come up higher and we just naturally keep taking steps backwards from the other person, right? And time then gets in. And so the way out is to stand your ground and to take times of moving closer where you can. And so uh, that, that can happen in a friendship, uh, a marriage. Um, you pick it. Uh, it'll, it that's, the, that's the way out. That's the way towards wholeness. Now, relationships, two people. So you can never close the gap for the other person. And even Christ does that with us. It says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone that would re- basically receive me. God went to a lot of trouble to run all the way back across the gap for us. And we still have to turn our hearts towards him. Right? And so, so if, if we will stay trusting in the love of God and press in towards Him because He's not the one hurting you. So unlike people that can actually be quite miserable, and, and you might have people that, that choose to hurt you, that is not God's role in your life. And so we need to see that for what it is and press back towards Him. But maybe you need to hear that today for a relationship in your life that, that you can stay faithful and trust God for what he can do and stay towards that relationship and so we need to do that with God it says in 2nd Corinthians 12 8 it says three different times I begged the Lord to take it away from me now I say little prayers all the time and 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 what we need to understand from this is this isn't Paul just throwing up three little prayers God, this hurts, would you please heal me? God, this hurts, please heal me. I believe these are three like seasons of pressing into God and three like 
moments of, of just going after God's grace for this thing and, and really pursuing something. There's a difference between praying for something and praying for something. Does that make any sense? The people I know that pray for things to happen, they've got this list of things they're praying for, and they are praying for them to happen. And, and I, try to, I try to do that more than just the other, but, but if I tell somebody I'm going to pray for them, I try to at the very least you know, say something right then and there, either pray with them or immediately following. But I believe that, that Paul had these three seasons of, of praying for this. And sometimes, you know, this will happen even with anything chronic in our lives. We'll, we'll get to like, God, I'm really, I'm really wanting to, to deal with this. And then we just kind of see the, that there isn't an answer or there isn't movement, so we get distracted or, you know, we move on with the other things. Paul was a busy guy, just like we are. And, and then he comes back to it. God, I'd, I'd really like you to heal this. And I'm pointing to like there's a thorn here. I know it's not literal, but that's the best I got. I don't know what he was struggling with. God, would you please heal this? Uh, some of you have been praying for years uh, for your parents. Some of you have been praying for years for your marriage. Some of you have been praying for years for your parents' marriage. Some of you have been praying for uh, a child. Uh, some of you have been praying for addiction. Some of you have been praying for cancer. Paul is begging the Lord repeatedly, please take this away. Have you ever begged repeatedly to the Lord to take something away. And these moments leave us leave us empty because these are the moments where God doesn't make sense and 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 I'm I'm being I want to trust God. I believe in my heart that he's good and yet this situation isn't reconciling. And we'll run into this with people that we're sharing our faith with that say I I just can't and I've shared this before. I I can't I can't trust a God who would allow my fill in the blank, to, to experience this, pass away, whatever. And so um, Paul begs the Lord, but then go to 12.9. Uh, it says this amazing little phrase. Each time he said, my grace is all you need, my power works best in weakness. Wow. I believe it's real smart to just to want to be healthy. Like I, I, I really prefer to feel really good, and and so I think it's great to pray for the uh, to thank God for uh, my physical health and and to and to work towards that and 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 to um, thank Him for the food that sustains me and 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 these kind of things and and I like food and uh, and 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 feeling healthy, and, and yet this verse right here says that I can do more in some ways in your weakness than in your strength. Wow. I don't want to hear that. Does that, does that verse excite anybody else? It's encouraging on one aspect because I do feel real inadequate, you know, in, in, in all of my roles at different times. Like, God, I don't know what I'm doing raising these kids. I don't know what I'm doing running this home. I don't know what I'm doing leading this church, you know. And I, you, you have these times where you feel your weakness and it's just like tangible, right? 
Good. I'm so glad I'm not alone in that. Uh, that was very affirming. Thank you. Um, like, yeah, we all feel that way. Yeah. And, and so in those moments, it's, it's so encouraging to know that, that those are the times where I'm supposed to lean on God's strength, and it actually sets me up for, for trusting Him. And, and that even goes to the point of, of think about salvation. I know people that play around with their Christianity, with their faith, and I question their dependence on the Lord. Right? Because if you get to a place where you've got nothing else but Jesus, you're going to have a little bit different take on what it means to be a Christ follower. And, and so we've got to wrestle with these things. And, and, and that's why there is, a, there is an, an actual thing that can happen inside of our pain that can't happen any other way. And, and, and wow, we've got to trust God in these times. Uh, we want to say, heal me change my circumstances, fix the problem, relieve the pain. And sometimes God's answer to those prayers is no, or at least not now, because He says my grace is sufficient to get you through that time. Well, what are we talking about grace here? Because we understand grace in the context of forgiving sins, or I'll, I'll just explain it again. We can't earn our way into God's favor. We can't just sin less or stop sinning. Most of us at least appreciate the fact that we can't stop sinning. And, and even if we try with all of our, you know, gumption to sin less, like that should be less of a part of your life, I believe, as a Christ follower. But, but we can't earn God's favor. We can't earn His righteousness. We can't earn our way into heaven. And so we understand that grace is God's forgiveness that He makes available to us just by accepting it. Wow. Thank you, Lord. But here's grace. Here's a bigger uh, definition. Just so we can, uh, we did a big teaching on this a while ago, but just to catch us back up. Undeserved favor, grace. God freely extends Himself, leaning and reaching to us because He is disposed to bless and be near to us. He is wired to bless us. Just like I said, where we have to conscientiously choose to press back in in, in, a, in a state of where we're, our relationship is being strained, God naturally defaults to that. That is His character. Is that beautiful? And He wants it to be our character where if we are wounded, we stay soft towards that person. Wow, that's hard. But that is God's character towards us. So His character is grace. So His natural, the way He is, His response to us is going to always be that He wants us to be blessed. And, and we can mistakenly think that, that blessing is the absence of pain. That's where, that's where we cross, uh, that's where we get into trouble. Um, and so we're, we're going after this and it says... Um, he is disposed to bless and be near to us. And it's, it's a, you, can, you can lump it all down to He's here. What was one of the words promised for, for Jesus before He was born was the word Emmanuel. God is with us. Our times of feeling away from Him are just our perspective. They're not, that's not founded in truth. He's here. And so this phrase... 
uh, that, that is used for grace in the New Testament is in there 155 times. And this guy, Paul, wrote a lot of them. And this is the same guy who went through all of that stuff. And he is seeing that God is with him. Now, this is something that we can't explain. You can only experience. So here's the, here's the prayer out to God. It's, this is what I need. And God is responding, no, I'm what you need. And I would like to feel better. I would like to see this mountain move in my life or somebody else's life. I'd like to see these goals met for our church. But God, it's never to replace my need for you and just you alone, regardless of whatever happens else in my life, good or bad. And I'm fully expecting a whole lot of good, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plan on that there's going to be things that I don't like happen in my life. We can't explain it. We can only experience it. So number one was we need to move away from looking at our way and looking for His will. Trading our way for His will. Number two was we are not in control and so we need to stay close to the One who is. So we're trading in prayer. We're, we're trading our desires for His will. And in prayer, we're staying close to the one who really is in control. We might not like what's happening around us, but make no mistake, nothing is surprising him. And that might upset you sometimes. But at the end of the day, that should ultimately reassure you that that didn't surprise him. Number three, prayer isn't just asking, it's trusting Why do we pray? This is something that I'm growing in because I, I really have a, I have a matter-of-fact attitude towards what happens. I really believe that God is not surprised. I, that I, I default to there. So I just kind of, I feel like I'm just supposed to go along with the flow and kind of absorb it. And I tend to do that. So why pray? Why pray if God isn't surprised by anything? When I pray to God, it means that I'm looking to Him to carry me through that situation. I'm more concerned that I have Him than the answer that I'm going to get. This is difficult. I'm not saying this is easy. But that's what I'm reaffirming in my heart. I am declaring that my life is based on Him when I pray about something. And you can invert that to say anything I'm not going to God about, I'm really not trusting Him in. And some things I just take for granted, like this is something I just do, and, and, and I can even see God as the provider of it, but I need to constantly talk with Him about all of the different things in my life because I'm re-cementing those things that these are, those, these are His. They're ultimately His concerns. Yes, I'm the one physically going to work. Yes, this paycheck's being written from this company. Yes, I'm the one spending time with my kids and, and going uh, uh, here with, with my family or whatever else. But, but God, You are the one that is in control. 
And so, God, these people that are in my life, this church that's in my life, God, these things, these concerns, these, these things that I just walk through on a day-to-day basis, God, you have placed together. He's placing this group of people together for a purpose, not just for our individual hearts, but for a work that, that we can do together in this community to reach more people and to make a difference for the kingdom of God and to see the kingdom of heaven expand. These are things that, that, that God is in control of. And, and I can pray prayers that, that have specific things in mind, specific targets, and I think it's okay to dream and to pray according to those things as long as my faith isn't determined by how that answer comes back. My faith is being determined the fact that I'm even talking to God about it. God, this is your church. This is your community. These are your people. I'm your son. I am, I'm just here to, to move through the things that you have put into place. God, help me hear what you want to have done. Help me to have the courage to obey you. And so every time I pray that way, and, and those are all different ways of saying, your will be done. God, you've given us these amazing resources. I got, an, I got an idea of what you want to do. And I'm real excited about it. And God, I want to see these things happen. I want to see these people come to salvation. I want to see these miracles. I want to see these healings. But God, ultimately, your will be done. Listen to this last part of this Scripture. 2 Corinthians 12, 9-10. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How does a person have something in their life that they would refer to as a stake going through them and get to a place where they're grateful for God's hand on their life and trusting Him with the results of that pain. That is a powerful place to get to. Because it, you want to talk about superheroes? You want to talk about being bulletproof? Paul was stakeproof. It was there, but it didn't stop him. What an amazing place to be. I opened up the series with a story about uh, God telling us to put our house up for sale. And uh, we were at an interesting time in our life. We had, um, I was working full-time for uh, Home Depot, and um, I'd, if you'd asked me as a young person what I wanted to do, I'd have said I wanted to be a youth pastor. Like I, I can look back now and see the call to ministry on my life. We served as youth leaders, as, as young marrieds, and then life just got busy. And, um, and we got distracted with good distractions. They're called kids and bills and things like that. And uh, the oldest one of those distractions, by the way, comes in from California this Wednesday with the beautifulest baby boy in the planet. And uh, not Jaime, but uh, the grandson, Liam. <laughs> Jaime's pretty handsome. So you'll see the family all here together next week. We're super excited about that. But you get distracted with things, and, and, and we were starting to feel like God was moving us, like, like literally, and, and like something was coming down the road. 
And, and so we felt strongly to sell our house, and, and I told you we were upside down on it as far as what we knew it would sell for and what we had in it because we're young and stupid, and, and uh, we liked pretty things. And, and, um, and uh, so, so there we are in this situation, house isn't selling, and, and then we're starting to feel like I'm supposed to be looking into youth ministry, and Danielle can get the details of this story much more clear than I can. But I just have warm, fuzzy memories now. We pushed through, and even when we got the job at the church, uh, Trinity, across the street, I was the youth pastor there, and even then it didn't look and feel like I had wanted it to when it started. I thought I was going to go in and run the whole youth ministry. I got hired as the part-time junior high youth pastor. Well, that sounds great. I ended up having a lot of fun in that role, but when you're expecting here and you get offered here, it's, you, you go around these, these bumps in the road. This whole time the house is still for sale. And by the way, my income over there was really just enough to pay the bills back at the old house. And so, okay, so we're, we still have the house that's for sale. We have enough money to pay for the house that we're not living any longer. And I'd like to have food in the new house, like... This is, this is fun. And we go through this season, and there was a lot of hills and, and valleys to that, and, and, and really over about a year to two-year period of, of front to back of that season, and before we settled into our new role over there and, and, and saw some things work out that God wanted to do. And it set me up to be the pastor I am today. And I look back at that, and I look back at some other times where I felt like God wasn't cooperating with me. There were times when I had resistance from people within the church, and my prayer was, God, would you send them to Mars? I volunteer them to be the first people to go to Mars. Return trips still not yet possible? That's fine. Send them to Mars. No, like, I, I, needed, I wanted God to remove things from my life. And in other times, like I wanted him to move some things forward. And God, I'm ready for this. Why isn't this thing ready for me? God, why aren't you cooperating with me? Looking back now, we've all got 2020 rearview mirrors, right? I can look back now, and there are things I would never choose. And I wouldn't choose to go through them again but I can tell you I'm a better person today for going through them. Does that sound like your story this morning? If that's part of your story, that means that you have learned to trust God because you're seeing His hand on your life regardless of the situation, and hopefully that encourages somebody today. It's not about getting our way. It's about surrendering our will. It's not about being in control. It's about getting closer to the One who is. And it's not about asking it's about trusting. Can we pray this morning? Father God, these are, these are heavy words and, and, and they come with the weight of reality uh, because, because God, I, I'm not going to belittle somebody and, and tell them that their cancer doesn't exist. And God, that, that there's a, a, a fantastic reason for them to be out of work today or, or for whatever reason that they have the stake that is in their life piercing through their side and, and bringing pain into their life. God, I, I, I don't want to belittle them. And yet at the same time, God, this Word, this Word provokes us 
to deal with the pain by trusting you. By trusting you in such a way that we can handle whatever the answer is and we can handle whatever the timing is of that answer. And God, that's a level of spiritual maturity, God, that I'm, I'm still running towards and crawling towards. And, and I pray that for my friends here in this room today. God, will we be a people that trust You? Maybe today you're sitting there and you realize that you've never trusted the Lord with your heart. You want to. You know you should maybe even. But there's an addiction. There's a pain. There's a, a pain in somebody else's life that's close to you. There's a... There's a a passing away. There's, there's, there are unmet expectations. There are, there are just incidences after incidences of, of you not cooperating with people. And God, it has kept us from trusting you. If you've never trusted Jesus with your heart and you're ready to today, then I want you to raise your hand. I want to agree with you in prayer. If you're ready to, we don't, we don't take that moment lightly crossing that line of faith. Is that anyone in this room this morning? You're ready to trust Jesus. Maybe for the first time or in a long time. Then I have a feeling most of us are a lot like me. And that is that I forget to trust God. I forget that my bills are His bills. I forget that my kids are His kids. I forget that my wife is the wife that He gave to me. I forget that this church is His church. God, I, I forget to trust You. I forget to ask for Your will instead of my way. I forget to press in close to You when I don't feel like You're, you're doing things the way I want to. If that's you this morning and, and you want to move back towards trust, you want to turn back towards God in the face of unmet expectations or unfulfilled expectations, if that's you this morning, you realize that there's some part of you that is not fully facing God, the Creator who loves you, and you want to make that right. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? I want to agree with you in prayer. Let's pray this together. Father God, we are Your people. Father God, we thank You that You love us. God, we thank You for this Word called grace that means more than forgiving our sins, which is so vital, God. It, it, it's the beginning of a relationship with You. But God, that we would understand that You are for us our entire life, that Your default, that Your, that your standard mode of dealing with us is favor and grace. And God, that You consistently want to pour it out to us regardless of our experience, that that is the truth. God, would you forgive us for every time we have stayed at home like, like Mary because we're frustrated over our brother passing away or, or forgive us for every time we've been like Martha for, for saying, God, if you'd have only been here. God, would you forgive us for maybe being like John the Baptist and, and not really sure that you're the one who we've been sharing about. And God, could we be like Paul in the face of a shipwreck in the face of our world falling apart, that we would declare our trust in You by talking with You about everything. Heal our hearts, Lord, where they're broken this morning.
where trust has been broken, God, would you restore it today? We turn our hearts towards you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've made a decision or something's going on in your heart, we'd like you to follow up with Next Step Center so that we can follow up with you. If you'd like to receive prayer for this this morning, we have these amazing people up front this morning that want to talk with you and pray with you. Let's stand and worship as we close today.